Welcome back to The Benefit is Love. I'm Scott Tharler, an author, freelance writer, podcaster, and certified up-level coach. And I'm Kenya K. Stevens, a relationship expert, love coach, best-selling author, wife, and proud mother of three. My husband of 27 years, Carl, and I co-founded the Progressive Love Academy way back in 2005. Since then, we've co-authored two popular books and taught thousands of clients how to express themselves openly and authentically, where the purpose is growth and the benefit is love. If you're ready to grow as you actually reap the rewards of these Progressive Love Academy tenants we've been discussing the past few episodes, you're in the right place. So Kenya, it's time to talk about the Progressive Love Academy's fourth tenet. It's one that we say at the beginning and end of every episode, and even has the name of this podcast right in it. And that tenet is, the purpose is growth and the benefit is love. Yes, purpose is growth and the benefit is love. I love that one. Yeah, this just says it all. The benefit is love is what we're all shooting for. And to me, this tenet feels like we're sort of over a hump. Like we can finally see the other side. From a linguistic standpoint, it's the first tenet that doesn't begin with the word no. Yes. So it's, it's almost like the Ten Commandments, like the thou shalt and thou shalt not. So here's the stuff to do. Here's the reward. So why does this need to be a tenet? Why isn't it just a thought? Why does it warrant being an official principle of Progressive Love Academy? Well, I've coached thousands of relationships and seem like people don't know what the purpose is of the relationship. They say, oh, because we love each other or because we want to be happy or this. And I'm like, but those are not, those are transient states. You're not going to always be happy. So what's the purpose when you're not happy? What's the purpose when you don't feel love? What's the purpose of the relationship? And I try to steer my clients to understanding that if you have this ground floor, that Every challenge that we go through is a challenge that we're going to grow through. The purpose here, these triggers, these challenges, these victories, triumphs, perceived failures, all of these have merit and they are important for our growth, the growth of our character, our spiritual growth. How do we test ourselves and know where our character is and, you know, ascend? Well, we got to look at our challenges and see how we did with it. We're going to be challenged again this next time. How are we going to do with it? Are we going to change between this challenge and the same similar challenge in the future? And that is how we measure growth. So this tenet is just so urgently important because you're going to have challenges, Scott. Like, where do we get off thinking there's not going to be any challenges in every relationship? Yep. There's ups and downs. And I'm picturing driving right now. Like when you're driving up and down a hill on the highway, like you still keep your foot on the gas, like you don't just coast. So you do need to keep changing and adjusting and steering. And that's the path of relationship. And we don't just stop and get out the damn car and desert the car and just walk instead, because that's going to be even harder. Yeah. We want to ensure that we understand that purpose, but the benefit is love is that because some people say the purpose is growth. That's boring. It's boring. We don't want to grow. Why are we growing? We chilling. We don't want to do that. But if the benefit of growth, we're saying the benefit of the growth is that you're going to deepen your love. You're going to deepen your connection. 
Have you ever been in like a frat or a group of guys or a group of friends where you guys tried to steal some apples or some candy and stuff and got caught, had to run and ran together? You went through that challenge together. And now your friendship is somehow more connected. Y'all have these experiences. You triumph. You ran away from the police. They didn't catch y'all with y'all candy. And then grew through that. Like maybe we need to get a paper route instead of steel. And you're deepening your connection through those experiences, right? Yeah. I was in a fraternity and I and now I feel like I wish we had stolen candy. That sounds fun. <laughs> I was never in a sorority. So tell me about it. I think what came up for me is that. One of the challenges is that if you're into growth, a lot of people like that's their thing. That's their primary. Tony Robbins has the, the six essential human needs. And so one of them is growth. And for some people, that's their lead thing. I would judge that I have a, a, my best friend, Tom, and I believe my partner, Lisa, are both in that where anything that's not growth feels like death to them. And it's kind of like the old Woody Allen line. He said that there's a woman who said, you know, a relationship is like a shark. It always has to move to live. And I think what we have on our hands here is a dead shark. And so if you have the pressure of growth, because to some people, to me, growth feels exciting, but also like a kind of a pressure, there needs to be something on the other side. There needs to be something like, okay, as our relationship is growing and shifting and moving, and we're doing all this, like, why are we doing this all? And it's for the benefit. And it has to be a benefit that sort of blankets you and can keep up with the growth. Yes. And it has to be a benefit you can feel. Everybody got into their relationship because they want to love and be loved. And so if you're going to have more of that on the other side of a challenge, is it not worth the challenge? If I told you, Scott, after this challenge, you're going to feel so much more connected to me. You're going to feel so much more loved by me. You're going to feel like we're invincible and we can take on the world. But can we go through this challenge and not break apart, not cop out and drop out, not shame and blame each other? Can we grow through this challenge together and get to the other side? Yeah. And you just mentioned the other tenants. I was curious because I'm thinking as you're saying this, like, why didn't we lead with this? <laughs> Why is this number four? <laughs> this would get more people on board. Oh, by the way, the benefit is love. People are like, oh, okay, I'll sign up for that. Like you did, I don't even care. Shame, blame. Yeah. Okay. Check. I got that. But why, why wouldn't you put this one first? Two reasons. First of all, people are in our culture addicted to controversy. So if they read the purpose is growth and the benefit is love first, then are they even going to go on? It's, okay, that's airy fairy. What's that? No victims, no villains. What are they talking about? This is atrocious. Oh, well, come on in and learn more because you are, your energy is there. So that's the first reason. The second reason is because this doesn't come first. I'm a businesswoman. I do my hardest tasks when I wake up in the morning. If I have a hard sale to close or a hard thing to do, I do it when I'm the freshest and I want to look at that. Then I get to the easy, fun stuff in the afternoon when I'm about to take a nap. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. That's easy. This is after the challenge. This is the benefit. <laughs> You've gotten through the challenge of no victims, no villains. You've gotten through the challenge of that. Now, can we get to the niceties here? What do we get for all this? That's what this tenant is about. Gotcha. So it's almost like a reverse bait and switch. Let's do the <laughs> tough stuff first. And then here's a good thing coming up. Yeah. 
<laughs> I like that. Actually, I'm very interested now that we've built this up, I really want to dive into this further. So as we've been doing with the other tenants, it's time to see this principle in action. In the last episode, we heard from my wife, Lisa. And when we get back from this short break, we will be joined by Kenya's husbands to show us how growth and love can play out in the long run. So if you're ready, then we will catch you after the break. We're joined today by Carl and Tiger. Men, welcome to the show. It's so nice to meet both of you. Thanks for having us here, Scott. Great to be here. Thank you for having us. Hi, guys. Hi. My hobbies. Woohoo! So, Carl, let's chat with you first. You're the co-founder of the Progressive Love Academy. So it seems like that probably came from a place of necessity. What was going on for you at the time? Yeah, I think for us, it was really more about understanding that we needed some real solutions and real tools to support us in being successful in our marriage because we hadn't been introduced to that. We came up against some real challenges, communication challenges, sexual challenges, just being able to understand each other, that kind of thing, but we weren't prepared for it. So when we look at relationships and marriages kind of out in the landscape, our parents and relatives and stuff like that, and we see all these people having an issue and then we're having an issue we decided that we needed to do something practical that could help save our marriage specifically, but also support other people as well. We didn't know exactly how many people it would support or how large it was going to get. We were just like, we don't want to divorce. It was like, we don't believe in it. And we made tools around that ideology. Okay. Honestly, I only have a couple of questions. I just want you to be able to connect the dots for our audience of where you were and how did you get there? What did the growth actually look like? So you're coming up with these concepts and maybe having the first thoughts about the book coming out. What was actually going on in your life? Like on a day-to-day -day basis, what was changing in your relationship? I mean, in terms of the challenges, I can talk about one of them was challenges in our sex life. You know, Kenya wanted to have sex more frequently than I was willing or able or whatever. And we were going to our marriage counselors. We were trying to figure out what's happening there. There's just some things that we were dealing with that are very practical, very life or family oriented type stuff that took some adjustment. So trying to deal with our sex life was a big thing. So in order for us to deal with that, we eventually learned tools like Tantra and we eventually got into exploring deeper levels of orgasm other kinds of intimacy. So yeah, on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm traveling, going out of town every week for work. And even when I'm home, we're having these challenges around sexuality, me not feeling it, me not feeling energized, all those types of things. And so I needed to figure some stuff out. We needed to figure some stuff out. And as a result of that kind of daily, weekly struggle, that took us into a place where we eventually got into learning Tantra. So that became a tool, a very foundational and staple tool at the academy where we felt like, hey, as a couple, you need to be able to explore different levels of your sexuality. You need to be able to explore sex outside of pornographic, you know, regular sex that we were taught that it was going to be. Even things like understanding how to cultivate your energy as a man, as a woman, and circulate your energy and reserve it. So those are things that we didn't know. And those things had a major impact on the marriage. So we had to develop a tool, a system once we learned it ourselves, that we can practice in-house, but then teach others outside. 
That's interesting. I know from my wife in medical school, they say, see one, do one, teach one. So first you see it, and then you actually have to do it yourself. And then you have to teach another person how to do that thing you just learned. So it's very practical. This is before kids or after kids? After children. I'm sure we had the sexual issues before, but you know, when you have children, it multiplies everything times a hundred because they're demanding and you know what they're looking for what they need so that takes even more energy more time more focus away from us to be able to focus on ourselves so we need to be efficient in terms of how we apply these tools and we need things that actually work because we don't really have time to like just go away for the week and do things that are just focused on our intimate life. So we need to be able to do things that we can implement as we raise kids, as we're working, as we're trying to figure out marriage, et cetera, et cetera. Right there, that sounds like growth. That sounds like you saw some issues and you not only took it upon yourself to learn them and try to learn a different paradigm than your experience was that maybe your parents and grandparents had any understanding of, but then you did this on your own and taught others how to do it. So that's not where the story ends, though. So, Kenya, why don't you tell me what was going on for you and how Tiger came into the picture? And then I want to hear from Tiger what his experience was. Yeah, so for the first 12 years of our marriage, we were monogamous. And as we started to explore sexuality outside of the Western confine and marriage outside of the Western confine, we found that maybe we wanted to explore open relating to some extent. And so my husband did bring that to me and he told me that he wanted to have partners outside the relationship, but he wasn't talking about me having partners outside of the relationship. And so that wasn't gonna fly. I'm from Detroit. I have some real gumption about me. So I said, well, I wanna have other partners too. And so we explored that as a part of the tool making process writing and documenting our lives and blogs online. This was back in 2005. And eventually after two years of discussion, we did open our marriage. And maybe five or seven years later, I met Tiger after having lots of partners outside of the marriage, my husband as well, and developing systems and tools to do that with ease and grace, because it was not popular. We made polyamory popular by blogging about it, talking about it and sharing our journey. But when I met Tiger, I was ready for another husband. And that's when I introduced the two men and I told them my idea. It's interesting because I think I'm still somebody who's just learning about polyamory. Honestly, I'm still scared just by the regular Amory, but it sounds like there's a lot of transition and experimenting that it wasn't just like you flip a switch like, oh, do you think we should do this? You sit across the table and then, yes, let's do this. Like, it sounds like it was months and years of trial and error and of that growth. Yes. So Tiger, tell me what was going on for you when you came into the picture. What was your perspective on all this? Well, I think you hit it when you said it's growth. I came from the monogamous mindset where, you know, I was only dating one person, but I was serial monogamous. So I would date a person, I would break up, I would date the next person and break up and so on and so forth until I actually did get married and me and my wife, unfortunately, divorced. And that put me into a space where I realized, you know, there could be more to relationships than just what I had seen before. And so once Kenya and I met, 
that kind of opened up my eyes and my world to other relating styles. It was really an introduction to polyamory and the understanding that I can relate with multiple people without having to lose a person that I had a connection with in the beginning. It's a lot of work polyamory. It's not for the faint of heart because there's going to be a lot of emotions. That's where Kenya and Carl's tools come in. And they're so important to be able to communicate and to utilize tools to have better connections with people if you're going to go into that lifestyle. So with Kenya and I's relationship, we've been together for 10 years now, and we've had our challenges. We've had our ups and downs. And so it's just really learning how to communicate and really growing with her as a person that's helped us to stay together for as long as we have. It's really interesting. I know as somebody on the outside looking in that it seems like polyamory must be easy (laughs) at the risk of making you all laugh. It must be easy because if this one's not working, I'll go over here. If this isn't working, I'll go over here. And it's not like that. I know I had my own misgivings that would make a monogamous laugh that I thought when I got married, then it was time to hit cruise control. And I know from experience, that's when the work really starts. So I'm guessing it must be like double the work in polyamory. So Carl, when that happened, obviously it was a discussion. And so how did that discussion go? In other words, like what was said and then how well did it go? Well, in terms of us entering into an open or poly situation, it's what Kenya said. I approached her about adding another woman to the family as a second wife. She met that woman. We went on a date, the three of us, so she could understand that whole dynamic and why I was attracted to her. But before that, we had talked about it. We had talked about polygyny and adding other women because we were exposed to that through our spiritual teachings and community we belong with. So after we had that date with the three of us, we discussed it. Like Kenya said, she felt like it was something that she should have the option to do, to add a partner. She wanted to do that. So at that time, I was not open to that. So I just closed everything down and said, let's just not do anything. We'll just continue to be with each other. And then over the course of learning some Tantra and expanding over the course of two years, we came to the decision that we would actually go ahead and open the relationship. So we decided, hey, let's just kind of start our marriage over from this day forward. That was in June of 2008 and just kind of build a different kind of marriage for ourselves. And so that's how we got into it. Because it was my idea, we decided it made sense for Kenya to go first. So she got into the dating situation before me just as a way to make sure she was confident and immersed in it. And then after that, we just opened things up and moved forward. And I think Scott's wondering, how did the conversation about Tiger go and another husband and somebody moving into our home? I'm wondering a lot of things. I'm wondering that for sure. And I'm also wondering what were some of those fears and hesitations? You said you shut it down. I don't want to just gloss over that. What was going on for you? I don't know if it was a fear or hesitation. It was really just the bias that we have in our society. So part of the issue with the culture of monogamy and the culture we live in with religion and all that is it teaches you things that are not correct about human beings. So I never heard of a woman who was already married having other partners. So that was just something that was foreign to me. You know, it made sense to me that a man could have multiple wives. So I've heard of polygyny and I was exposed to that. 
but it wasn't something I understood. You know, even early on in our marriage, when Kenya had attractions to other men, like we would talk about it. But, you know, people would ask me, like, did that bother me? And the answer was no, because it's just something I wasn't familiar with. A woman who's already married, having attractions to other men, just something didn't register for me. So, you know, for me, I had a lot of learning to do about what the feminine is, what the masculine is, what human connection is, you know, what this thing monogamy really is about, where it comes from. Like I had to go through a process of understanding it. And once I started to understand those things, get into understanding the feminine, the fact that it can't be caged, the fact that human beings need to be free to express themselves, love isn't about ownership. Once I educated myself about that and that my masculinity is not based on what any particular other human being does, especially my wife or my girlfriend or whatever. So once I understood that, I was able to come into a place where, oh, okay, so if I want to do this for myself, it makes sense that my wife or any other human being should be able to do it too. So I just have the natural biases that men have being raised in our society, where we think that men are above women hierarchically, and we feel that men deserve to have multiple partners and lovers and women don't and that kind of stuff. So I had to detox myself from that belief system and understanding it and relearn some things about just the basics of life. And you were saying that the your spiritual community helps with that? Yeah, Kenya and I, we studied spirituality in a particular community that we belong to in Washington, D.C. And that's where we learned about the self. We learned the difference between the self and the person or the personality. That's where we learned to do things like do readings and get into the deeper understandings of why we feel the way we feel. So that was the background of how we got into just understanding that we're capable of more than, than what our personality or our experiences tell us that we can do. And so in that community, we witnessed relationships that were polygynous, meaning one male with multiple wives. So that, that, that was our introduction into plural relationships. It's very interesting. And I, it, I think it underscores something that I've heard Kenya say before, which is community really is the foundation of a lot of the work. And that's one of the things I felt immediately that you and she have created your own community. And so now other people can benefit from that by having deeper understandings. It's tough to go this alone. So Tiger, tell me, what was the transition like for you? Because I get the feeling like you weren't going out there thinking like, how could I be the third person or how could I do polyamory? Like this was all new to you as well, right? It is. It's completely new to me. It was actually a shock when Kenya and I were together one time and she said, let me introduce you to my husband. I'm <laughs> in my mind thinking she's just tiptoeing, you know, that she's sneaking out on the husband. I've no stranger to that. I've dated women that were married and they were doing something on the side that that wasn't a shock to me. But when Carl actually came into the room and he was absolutely cordial and shook my hand. And that was a shocking experience as an eye opener. And so it was from that point that I started to think if they have this kind of a relationship where you can be introduced to someone's husband and there's no animosity, there's no jealousy, at least not from what I could see, that there has to be a different culture of people out there. And I may be walking into the door of that culture. So it was really from that point, just understanding the nature of that relationship and how it functions 
what are some of the protocols, not necessarily the rules, because we don't believe in rules, but the protocols of how their relationship works and where I may actually fit into that relationship. Gotcha. And it's interesting that, again, I get very much into planning and logistics. So when you say protocols, I'm thinking like, yeah, you have to know what's okay. Is it okay for you to just show up places or like, how do you divide your space? How do you divide your time? That all sounds interesting and challenging to me. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge to say the least, but to give you an example, it's like pilot of a jet aircraft. They make it look really easy and seamless as you're flying through the air, but there's a lot going on that most people are unaware of. There was a lot of training that went into it. There's a lot of thought process as things are happening. There's a lot of adjustments that need to be made. And so that's kind of what polyamory is. It's the, a lot of adjustments. It's a lot of training, a lot of talking and communication. And so nobody's going to get it right on the first try. But after years of doing it and multiple attempts at doing it, people get better and better. I want to get into your relationship of you two, the men. How has this developed? Carl, from your perspective, how has your relationship with Tiger evolved? And then what does it look like today? Yeah, that's a great question. I think how it's evolved is that basically in the beginning, you know, who Tiger was to me was basically just Kenya's partner, Kenya's lover, Kenya's boyfriend. And then over time, we started to develop our own kind of awareness of each other in a different way. And then when we lived together, he was around my children. I was around his son. Then we were able to see each other move in different ways. We we're able to be around each other a bit more in terms of just interaction. So we kind of slowly developed uh, our own connection. And I would say as of today, we have a great friendship. We've actually done business together. We were able to talk about a lot of things that are relevant to life and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, I think it's just been a really great connection that him and I have, even to the point where I've been able to support him and Kenya in their relationship. Uh, he's been able to offer me some perspective about things that I want to know about, whether it's, you know, the market or what's going on in 2023 financially or whatever, like things I'm very interested in and want to hear his perspective of. Also in terms of him being an integral part of our business, supporting us from that standpoint. So we've just developed slowly over time, our own kind of connection and closeness, and it's been pretty good. That's cool. So Tiger, tell me from your perspective, how does it feel now? Because if it were me, I would feel like the other guy, but it seems like you guys have really built up something. So how much are you feeling like just the guy instead of the other guy? Well, with Carl, I don't think I ever felt like the other guy because the other guy is usually a secret or he's not involved in anything. With Carl, it was always open arms. He would always invite me in. He is actually the one that asked me to move into the house so that Kenya and I could have a deeper relationship. So I never really felt like the other guy, but in terms of like Carl and my relationship, I think it's always evolving. I have very similar views on a lot of things, but Carl's intelligence surpasses mine by far. So it's always neat to see his perspective on things that I may not see in a certain light. And so to have that second thought or second look at certain things is really nice. It's just humbling the way that he interacts with the family. You know, he's got a joking nature, but he's also serious at times. And so to see that and see like a leadership position for me to kind of imitate that is 
really nice. And I get that from him. So every time we're around each other, it's just kind of how a Carl addresses, how a Carl do this. You know, I'm taking notes and getting pointers and things. So I think our relationship, as we continue to evolve, I'm still going to be imitating him in certain things. Sounds like a beautiful relationship. I don't know. I'd probably be intimidated. I think Carl is a super intelligent guy. And how could you not be taken by that? As you guys are talking, I think what's come up for me is that polyamory to me seems like it seems like getting to know a city. So I happen to be going to Las Vegas in a few weeks. And so I've got that on my mind. So it's like everybody knows the strip. It's like the strip is where the action is. There's like drinking and walking and gambling. But there's a whole other city. And as you start to learn other streets and other connections and other things, it to me, that's what it seems like polyamory is. Like at first you have these two big connections, like her to him and her to him. And then there's all these other intricate sort of connections. And it really does sound beautiful what you all have created. Yeah, I think one thing that you need to understand about the intimidation question you're asking is that when you actually look at Kenya and Tiger's relationship, they, they had a very unique relationship and very close. So very, first of all, very strong sexual connection, number one. Uh, they like to do the same things. So laughing, watching TV, watching movies, cooking, you know, going out, like that kind of stuff. So from my perspective, and again, I can't speak for Tiger because it's a different perspective, but from my perspective, there wouldn't need to be a reason to feel threatened by me. Um, sure, this is a thing like they've been married for a long time, but when you look at their actual relationship and how much they love each other and the kind of time they spend and the things they do that Kenya and I don't do together, like Kenya and I are not big into traveling, but Tiger and Kenya are. When you look at like the kind of time they spend together and just doing family time and that kind of stuff, that's big for them. So to answer your question, I really feel like, you know, Tiger had a particular place or niche with Kenya that he could clearly see was unique and different and special and meaningful. And when we look at Kenya, we both think very highly of her because she's super intelligent. She's super dynamic, you know, super beautiful woman. And uh, so, yeah, I feel like Tiger should feel like, hey, I've got this thing with Kenya that's my own lane. And then Carl has this thing with Kenya that's their own lane. Like they do the school together and they have this great friendship and the children and that kind of history. But those things don't overlap to the degree where either one of us should feel threatened about our relationship with Kenya. So my opinion is that would be one of the reasons why there wouldn't be a major feeling of intimidation between Tiger and I. Because even though him and Kenya had an amazing you know, connection from day one that I observed, I still enjoyed what Kenya and I had. And I was thinking that he felt the same way on his side. That's great. And I think one of the things that's great about it is that it's very interesting to hear this perspective about polyamory, but there are lessons for monogamous people as well. I think it really speaks to everybody. So I guess we should kind of wrap it up with, do you have any closing thoughts or anything like if you had something that's like a nugget or some last thing that you wanted to let the audience know. Tiger, what do you want to let our audience know about your situation or about polyamory in general? 
I would say the biggest thing about polyamory is just that you're going to feel certain things, especially when you're new to polyamory and all the things that you're going to feel are going to be natural. You're still going to feel the jealousy and that's going to be natural. You're still going to feel some confusion, maybe some concerns, especially when you are trying to find your place in any particular relationship. So just understanding that what you're feeling is natural, that other people have felt it. And that there are some tools out there that will help, especially if you go to Progressive Love Academy, there's going to be tools there. If you go to Psalms Mystery School, there's going to be tools there. So just knowing that other people have those tools for you is going to make any kind of relationship a lot easier for you. Great. And Carl, how about you? Yeah, I would just say in terms of the culture of monogamy, I think that's probably the challenge a lot of people have in relationships. It's not about being exclusive with anybody. We totally support that because that's a choice and a path you all are taking together and you realize that we're choosing it, just like choosing a diet or a fitness program is going to be struggles in that. But I feel like the culture of monogamy really makes people believe that they're entitled to certain things and they don't got to work through certain challenges and issues that they don't have to actually grow that they're coming into a situation that they're by definition ill-prepared for because human psychology is complex and understanding how to deal with somebody on a day in day out basis. And then the long-term effects and wear and tear of that. Like, I just feel like we need to be clear on it. And I think the culture of monogamy kind of says, well, you should automatically be able to adjust to this and know how to work it. And you should have success because it's natural to you. And the truth is it's not. So this goes back to why we developed the tools we developed, which is because we just want people to understand you know, who we are as human beings, how we feel, the ebbs and flows of what we go through personally, but also what happens inside of relationships. And, you know, like you said, this is something that's going to help monogamy and help people in exclusive relationships too. Like we're trying to save marriages. We believe that we can, and we believe that tearing down families because of things that are preventable is not the best of who we are as human beings. Definitely. I literally couldn't have said it better. But then again, you also created the school. So you have a slight advantage there. I think the thing that ties it all together that spoke to me is that it's about making a choice and it's about being conscious and having conscious choices as opposed to thinking, like I was saying, that things are on autopilot or that you don't have to work through the issues, I think is the big difference. Yeah, totally agree. And also that these things are skills, just like anything else like learning to draw or learning to write with proper grammar. Like these are things that take practice. They're, we're coming outside of what we were taught, coming outside our comfort zone. And yeah, so being conscious is one thing. And then, hey, let's practice being different and cultivating some skills that can support our success. So I totally agree. Definitely. So guys, thank you so much for being on the show. It's so great to meet you because I've heard about you, but it's also really selfishly, it's great for me to see an example of where my primary relationship can evolve to. So I feel like I'm sure there are people in the audience who have benefited, but I know at least one person right here has and just getting hope of what could be. Wow, so it was so cool to get to hang out with you and your honeys. I hadn't really met them. And I feel like I got to know you a little bit better at the same time. Yeah, I was upset because I didn't get to speak much, but I love listening to them talk. I love their voices. I love my husband's so much. I mean, this is deep because we've gone through so many challenges that our love is like a deep well. 
it is never ending and it's always overflowing. Yeah. And one of the reasons why this tenant speaks to me, other than is something I aspire to do that growth and get to that place where I get the benefits, is that I have this theory about people in the universe that we're just chasing feelings, that everything we do, it's not about the money. It's not about what you wear. It's not about your weight. It's not about this relationship or who said what or who's cutting me off in traffic. You're basically just chasing feelings and essentially trying to go away from bad feelings and move towards good feelings. And so this speaks to that, like the feeling that I'm chasing in my words from last episode was I'm chasing freedom and happiness. And that would be my benefit. That's the feeling of love for me. And there's some other external things, but I guess there's an interesting subtlety in the benefit is love because I would assume, and really up until today, when I thought of this tenet, I thought the benefit is love means things will be nice and warm and fuzzy with you and your partner. And the more I think about it, the benefit is love is really about loving myself. And it's a challenge. And so the purpose is growth of me and the benefit is love of me. And all that other stuff is sort of extra because really in a weird way, monogamy is polyamory because you have to be loving yourself and loving this other person. So everything is poly. Yes, it is. Everything is poly and everyone is poly. We have to love our children and our parents and our spouses and our colleagues or whoever. It's just been a beautiful journey for me. You talking about self-love, moving through those challenges. You know, it's not always peaches and roses. Currently, it's not. We go through the deepest of challenges. You understand me and Tiger, me and Carl, the three of us and our children. And we know we can get through it because we're not going to essentially shame and blame, victimize and villain. We're not going to do that stuff that stops the car, that stops the forward motion. We are the whale in motion. And we're always going to be in motion because we want the benefits. (laughs) That self-love feels so good. And the security of knowing that these are forever partners, there's nothing either of these men can do that would make me say, I'm leaving you. Nothing. Nothing. What could they do? If they say, I'm divorcing you, I say, that's nice. I don't divorce you and I'll be your partner forever. I don't care what they do. (laughs) And that's a benefit for me because that gives me peace of mind. I don't have to think about and calculate. What am I going to do if he says this? What am I going to do if he does that? Where does that position me? Doesn't position me nowhere but love. So to me, there's a power in that. Definitely. And I just listened to the audio book last month for a great book that I think it's been out there for a few years, but I just discovered it called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. (laughs) And it's such a great title, but it's a little bit misleading. It sounds like it's about being indifferent or about not caring. And it's really the opposite. It's really about choosing what you're caring about based on what your actual values are. And there's so many things that we worry about or that we talk about that are just such bullshit. And Honestly, I think polyamory in a very interesting way forces you to say, listen, I just don't have the time or energy for bullshit. Let's just clear it off. And so in a way, that's what these tenants do. It's saying, it's just like clearing it off and saying, listen, let's just get to what's real and we are going to have challenges, 
but let's deal with the real challenges, not these weird meta challenges or the fake things or the surface things. Like if we're going to get into it, let's go deep. Right. And go deep with ourselves. When we go through a challenge, we find out what within us, me, what within me needs to change in order for this scenario to get better. And boom, there's the growth. And then I follow that path of growth and boom, there's a deeper love for self and other. So I just, I'm so glad that we got to talk to my husband's and you did such a good job interviewing them. It's a little different. It's different to to just talk to one person versus two or three. So what else would you like to say before we wrap up this episode about the purpose is growth and the benefit is love? What other things do you think our audience should know? What I'll say is what I bring back in community and what you said, you know, both of my husbands have multiple other partners. So we're in a network of this type of thinking. You understand? And that is our community. And it feels like the world could be like that. I mean, maybe that's a pipe dream, but it feels like the world should be like that. And, you know, the level of understanding and compassion and empathy and holding space for emotion and allowing the challenge, not running away from each other. I just feel like it's a bubble or a nest of goodness that we all deserve. So that's what I'll say to my listening audience. (laughs) Polly or not, let's get this network going. That, that all sounds good to me. Kenya, next week we discuss the last Progressive Love Academy tenant. I can't believe we're here already. I create my life. It's one that we've mentioned before, and it kind of makes sense that it's last because it's really an all-encompassing declaration of all the tenants. But we'll get into that next time, and I definitely look forward to creating that episode. So we'll see you next Wednesday. And until then, remember, the purpose is growth. The benefit is love. Kenya K. Stevens is the co-author of the books Uplevel Communication and The Nine Expressions of Love, both of which you can find in print and online. Scott Tharler's articles and other podcast appearances are listed in his Linktree page, which you'll find linked to in the show notes. Speaking of which, The Benefit of Love is available for your listening pleasure on Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Spotify, and other platforms. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow the show and share it with anyone who you'd like to see have better, more peaceful and fulfilling relationships. Benefit is Love is co-executive produced by Scott Tharler and Kenya Stevens, with original music by DJ D. Spence. Thank you to Sanu Stevens for all her help and expertise. And thanks again to this episode's very honorable guests, Carl Stevens and Tiger. This podcast, copyrighted 2022, is the intellectual property of Progressive Love Academy. All rights reserved.